Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to MMA Daily. This you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. I'm Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. I am joined by the amazing Kayla Beatty. Kayla, how are you? Hey, G. Hey, fight fans. Happy Monday. I'm good. How are you? You know what? I mean, we're coming off that crazy week last week. And to be honest, I am feeling pretty amazing. There's so much going on. Just this week is so action-packed for myself and yourself, too, since we're covering the sport. But, um... Yeah, just I was thinking about it right before we went on the air. Just, you know, everything that happened now we're past it. And I thought, you know, there's just so much good stuff from the MMA world over the weekend. So I'm just excited. What about you? Yeah, I think that though the week was crazy, Saturday ended up, um, you know, delivering for sure. I thought the fights that stayed on the card were all very exciting fights. Um, the co-main was awesome. I'm I'm really excited to talk about it. I think that it ended up being a good weekend. Bellator had some nice fights on the card as well. No, I agree with you. I think it's just really one of those special weekends in mixed martial arts. So let's get into it. This week's episode, or forgive me, today's episode is just aftermath and of course what else could it be after just an insane weekend in the world of mixed martial arts so kayla let's talk about it ufc 223 it wasn't the cast of characters we were expecting but there was still hardware on the line habib Nurmagomedov defeated al ayakinta for the belt give me your thoughts on this fight because there's so much to talk about with this one you know, I think I'm actually pretty happy with how things played out. I hope that Al Iaquinta, you know, I hope his career almost resurges because he was tough, super, super tough, um, you know, went the distance with the champ. I think that he fought, you know, all those rounds through, really had some nice attempts to try and dominate someone that's just super strong in, in Habib. And, um, you know, it was really interesting how the last two rounds did stay on the feet. Um, I, I was hoping that Khabib would give us a little bit more insight on whether he chose to do that um, just to, because he wanted to show that he can fight through the champion rounds or whether he wanted to test out some of his stand-up. I do think that um, him choosing, you know, to not take, try and take the fight to the ground in those last couple of rounds showed that his stand-up obviously isn't as strong as his ground game. And, you know, much like a lot of the commentators and other people were saying, is is that going to be a problem for the champion later, depending on who he faces? But we all know that he can take the fight to the ground almost every time he attempts to. So we'll see. But, yeah, really great fight, great main event. Um, again, I just think that Al looked great out there, and it was a, a, a very good performance for him and an exciting main event for us. You don't believe him that he would, was just inspired by watching a lot of Muhammad Ali that week? <laughs> Maybe. Is that what he said? Yeah, in the post-fight press conference, it's like, why did you choose to box? And he was like, I was watching a lot of Muhammad Ali. And it's like, All I, right. mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I felt like going out there and hitting the bag after I watched some Muhammad Ali myself. So maybe <laughs> if he's feeling it, why not, I guess? 
Um, yeah, first off, uh, for Ally Akinta, I think the thing that impressed me the most was in the fourth and fifth round where he really just showed that he was still ready to go for it. You've seen guys in similar positions before. They kind of get to that point of no return where it's like you're going to need a finish and you haven't had an answer in the first 15 minutes. So they kind of just survive to the end of the clock. They try to pick their shots, but ultimately you could tell they're just kind of trying to not get taken out of there at the last minute. Al was still going for it, and I really appreciated that. There would have been no shame, especially under the circumstances. I think he represented himself well. I think he has a great bargaining chip because if you're going to, you know, just negotiate with him on your real estate listing, you are not going to settle. You are going to settle for the number he gives you because you saw him just kick butt in Brooklyn. So I think he represented himself. For Habib, though, um, okay, so first two rounds, dominant. They're everything. They're just Habib as advertised. I think that's just a given. The third and fourth, I, 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 I was having this conversation earlier today with somebody, and there was so much talk, like the commentators, you know, it's not dominate like he's winning not dominating um i'd like to remind everybody you knew his stand-up wasn't as good as his ground going into this so the fact that he was still really effective on the feet against a guy as dangerous who has knockout power like ayakinta i think you're splitting hairs his stand-up was never going to be as good no matter who he fought i think that he showed a very good just growth in his game he wasn't just trying to go in and brawl. He was trying to really work that jab, which is a very hard move to do in MMA. Only guys at the top like George St. Pierre and others are very effective with it. So the fact that Habib was able to do that, I think that's a great sign. Now, we are going to discuss the future in a second because Habib now won the UFC title. Conor McGregor's been stripped. Tony Ferguson is not stripped, but he's the number one contender. Kayla, who the heck is even next for Habib? Because that's just the million-dollar question right now. I mean, I think it should be Tony. I don't see why it wouldn't be. You don't, and just for the record, you don't think the whole that fight is jinxed? You're okay penciling it a fifth time? I think so, because this was a freak accident. So I think that, you know, people are still very much so want to see that fight happen. Um and again, I think that that's one of the fights. And if he's not going to fight Tony now, he's going to eventually fight him later. And why would we want to wait as these guys, you know, have already been waiting around for so long? Yes, a lot of it's been on their part, but also, you know, that belt sitting around and waiting. Why would we want to wait for these guys to just get older? If they're in their prime, we want to see them compete now. That's a fight that would be super exciting to see how both men go into it. So let's try and make it again. To me, uh, I mean, I agree with you. I think to me, one of the things he said on Fox afterward was he was like, hey, I was number one contender. I was going to fight for the title. But then when I pulled out last minute, they told me I had to fight someone else. So I think it's only fair that Tony should now have to do the same thing I did, especially if he really wants it. different, though. Yeah. And, and you know what? That's why it's like to me, I mean, that's kind of... I get it in terms of the pride aspect of it. I think that Habib showed that he did deserve to be in that fight with Tony the first time. 
after he pulled out, unfortunately. So I get why he feels like, you know, it's just kind of justice, so to speak, that Tony would have to, you know, cement his place again. That being said, I agree with you. It's splitting hairs. Tony is the number one guy. It is tough to get hyped up for it one more time, if we're being honest. But really, when you look at the lightweight division, I think there's nowhere else to go. If he doesn't take Tony for whatever reason, then the next option would be someone like Eddie Alvarez, who just beat Justin Gaethje. Or you also have a very good fight coming up this Saturday between Dustin Poirier and Gaethje. The winner of that one comes off looking pretty good, a very well-ranked contender, a very popular fighter. I can see that happening. So I think that if he weren't to go with Tony, I think that he would be admitting he's taken on someone who is not the best guy available. So I think that's part of it. I would like to acknowledge that Tony did go into surgery today successfully, and he's now in recovery. So I think that's something that it's just about time. I think we're going to wait and see. Um, Let me ask you this one, Kayla. Um, And also for the record, because I look, a lot of people were trying to hype, hype it up still, talk about it. Could it still happen? Let's address the elephant in the room. Do you believe there's still a possibility of a Conor McGregor fight for Habib in 2018? Um, in 2018, no. I, I, I agree with you. I just, I mean, the evidence is all right there that even, uh, th- there's just really, I just don't see him getting out of it. I just don't see, the athletic commission would have to really just turn a blind eye and say, look, he's serving his time. But the fact is, he was on what I would consider UFC premises at a UFC event and hurt UFC fighters that even if they were, even let's say it didn't happen. Let's say he did this to a random bus not associated with an event. You know, you've got to think the Athletic Commission still wants to see some kind of discipline because you can't have these athletes just going out there and making just this bad example of the sport. So... I just don't see him getting away with no punishment and being able to just return to the octagon, no matter how much money and yes, how much attention it would bring. I got to say like, yes, I understand it's the money fight. It would have been awesome. Habib and Connor in Russia. I just don't see it happening. Um, But yeah, so then that would leave me to ask you like, what's the timetable you think on Habib? Like, do you think we see him? Fourth of July, do you think we see him more in the fall, maybe the MSG card? Where do you think we'll see Habib next? Yeah, I think he even said he wanted to fight on the MSG card. Although I hope that he, um, you know, is truthful in his last fight that he wants to fight more often and that it was injury that was keeping him absent. Um, He isn't a fighter that's used to being that active or not as active as, you know, a cowboy Cerrone. Um, but I would hope that that's going to step up a little bit more now that he's champ and because that belt's been sitting around for a while. But I think that um, we probably will see him later in the fall or on that MSG card like he's been hinting. I think so. Here's the thing about Habib being more active. He has reached that point as a star that he can headline his own event. To be more active, you kind of need a little bit of flexibility in your schedule. You know, you kind of like can pick your shots like you don't just have to take every single fight available to you and Habib at this point has outgrown that that 
he can headline a pay-per-view by himself right now. I think the UFC has proven that they're willing to let him do that. So, yes, does he want to be more active? I'm sure he does because he's on a nice roll. But I think they are going to space him out between the year, you know, throughout the year now because he is that star that they can really promote and build and just have that crescendo when he does compete. I think that it's going to keep him there. I will throw this out there, though. Daniel Cormier is fighting 4th of July weekend against Stipe Miocic. You got to imagine he wouldn't mind being on the same card and just having this American Kickboxing Academy takeover on Independence Day weekend. I'm sure that's been floated around a little bit if one of these top guys is healthy. We shall see, G. We shall see. Now, moving on, I, I don't know about you. Uh, I, I got to imagine it was, but I'm going to say it right now. The co-main event, probably my favorite fight of the entire weekend. Rose Namajunas taking on Joanna Jonjacek. We're going to talk about scoring. We're going to talk about the future. But let's talk first about the fight. Kayla, I know you were feeling Rose all week. I know that you were such a big fan of hers. Why don't you break this down for me? How did Rose get the W again against Joanna? Yeah, I mean, I'm a huge fan of both ladies. I think that we aren't going to see two ladies compete at that level for a while because I think they just set a standard of, you know, the rest of the women are going to have to try and, and, and compete at that level and evolve like a Rose has or, you know, put in the work and experience like Joanna has. But yeah, it was such a treat for us to watch. Again, very happy that it went all five rounds because that was the only thing that I had to say about the first fight is I was a little bummed that, um, you know, we just didn't get to see them compete against each other for longer than the first round. But um, great fight. I know some people still find it controversial. I think that that takedown in the end, uh, in that final round, sealed the deal. And I, I personally think that, Ioana showed that she had more damage done to her. I know that maybe her striking was a little bit higher, but I don't think that Rose's leg was the worst leg I've seen in MMA. We've seen some really nasty kicks or just, you know, over time damage done to someone's leg that they cannot compete. I think that Rose, though she admitted, you know, it was affecting her, she still was able to look pretty uh, strong in most of those rounds. And I just think that she had just more significant damage done. So I personally think that she won the fight. What did you think, G? Um, I'm going to admit that it was close. And I really want to point something out that on the judges' scorecards, all three judges did give one round to Joanna. Um, All of them did give four to Rose. But that one round, each judge had a different round that they chose that Joanna, you know, quote-unquote, won in their opinion. So I think that just is goes to show that Joanna was in there for that entire fight. It's really just about how you see it. Like, I was impressed with both women. They both brought it. I think they both represented themselves. Just women in MMA in general. Overall, one of the best female fights. One of the most competitive female fights you're ever going to see, period. And technical. Yes, both of them really brought their A-game. They really used their full arsenal of weapons. Um, To me, the real kicker was round one. Round one, Rose was starting to land. 
but it wasn't like she was doing in round two, for example. I felt like round one was very close. I think that Joanna had gotten herself going faster. She was already starting to land kicks, although they weren't taking effect. But Rose did just enough. I edged it out for Rose on the damage, like you said. The left hook was landing. She landed it only more frequently as the fight went on. But in that first round, very close, but just on the damage alone. I think that Rose barely took it. Round two was easy for Rose. Three and four, I gave it to Joanna. Rose was in there, but I felt like that damage and the effectiveness of her attack kind of hit a plateau. And in that point, the output of Joanna, I felt like was getting the job done for 10 nines in both of them. But round five, close. But like you said, Rose sealed the deal with the takedown. And even leading up to that, I felt like she was doing just a little more damage and getting it, just getting the better Joanna the way she needed to to close that fifth round out. What do you um, think before, about the leg stretches in between rounds? Did we ever get any information, more information on that? We, I mean, I can't remember reading it or hearing her talk about it. Um, I think that, uh, look, it was a five-round grueling fight. I wouldn't be surprised to just, you know, warm-ups are an exact science. And I, it wouldn't shock me if just Joanna throughout the fight was just feeling a little tight and needed to get loosened up a little bit by her team. I don't think it's the craziest thing we've ever seen. I want to say I've seen guys like George St. Pierre and other big names go through it. So I don't like was something bothering her between rounds? Probably, but I don't think it affected the outcome. I think her numbers were about as good as they were going to get against Rose when you look at it statistically. I do want to ask you a question, Kayla. So um, first off, I've always said I'm a big fan of Joanna. I think she might be my favorite female fighter to watch just in terms of style and just what she brings to the table. That being said, even though she had a solid performance, I can't say I was a fan of her post-fight comments. I understood that she felt like she did a lot of work and wasn't happy with the decision. But I felt like for her to say, like, I still think the strawweight division should bow down that came off just as sour lemons to me. I felt like, you know, look, the fact is she had a lot of damage on her face. It was a close fight. And if you're Joanna, you just have to live with that performance. She gave a lot and she represented herself well. Rose was just doing more work. I want to ask you, what did you think of the post-fight demeanor from Joanna? Yeah, I mean, I think that's what kind of all, you know, takes people out a little bit and makes someone... Um, less likable is you want to see someone when they are in defeat, they rise above that and come back stronger. And to hear someone be a bit of a sore loser just makes it, it takes away your credibility. And I think that, um, you know, it's just the way that she's, you know, um, communicating. She can disagree with judging. She can talk about the numbers, but like you're saying, it's the other extra comments that are just making her look like a little bit of a sore loser and I don't know. And, and like, she's been broken. You're saying that you didn't lose that fight, but it feels like you did because you seem to be really bitter about the outcome instead of just admitting like, Hey, this is a sport that if you let it go to judging, sometimes you're not going to agree with it. You lost, you know, if she didn't want it to go to judging and she wanted a better outcome, then she should have found a way to put Rose away. Yeah. And I mean, really like, 
I th- I think it comes down to the competitive nature of Joanna. I think um look that extra edge, that extra fire, that's probably what makes her you know part of it why she's one of the best fighters, period, male or female in the world. Um, how that manifests itself, unfortunately, it didn't come off as a good look, but I know she gave a lot, and like I said, like I know it was a good fight, but you just got to live with that. I think that um, it takes away from a lot of the respect she's built up as one of the best ambassadors for women's MMA in terms of just being a dominant champion who's so consistent in her career. Um, I want to talk about her future because I feel like Rose Namajunas is a little more straightforward. For Joanna, the big question, does she stay at straw weight or under what circumstances does she make the move up to flyweight? Um, I mean, let's see. Like, if she did stay, who would you have her fight? Tisha Torres. Or maybe even Felice Herrick. Someone, you know, just coming off a loss also who do- was trying to build back momentum. What about you? Um, I mean, the thing is, is I wasn't extremely impressed with Felice against Carolina. And Carolina and Joanna have had such a, you know, monumental fight themselves. Um, Tisha, who did she just recently face? She just recently faced Carla, right? Uh, Jessica Andrade. Jessica Andrade. Um, Real quick, are you saying you wouldn't mind seeing Joanna and Carolina in Poland? I mean, yeah, that's a fight to make if they wanted to just have two ladies, um, you know, and especially maybe since Carolina came off of a win and Joanna coming off of a loss, that could be an interesting story to to just have both ladies represent over there. But I don't know. I don't I don't know if she feels inspired to fight anyone else in this division, especially if she's saying they all still need to bow down to her. So maybe she needs to move up. I mean, to me, in my opinion, um, I see it two ways. Uh, when I look at Joanna, I actually see it a little bit kind of like Misha Tate when she lost to Ronda Rousey twice. Ronda showed no signs of slowing down, just like Rose isn't. But, you know, things happen. Ronda ran into Holly. Suddenly, Misha Tate, who's been taking out the top competition available, who isn't Ronda, was the just no-brainer to get a title shot. And hey, she made her way to championship gold. Rose is amazing, but in a division as loaded as strawweight, I don't think you can... It's just not out of the realm of possibility that one of these girls can catch Rose and suddenly Joanna is right there again. I think that's just a possibility you really got to acknowledge. If I'm Joanna staying at 115, I actually think Tisha Torres, just because Tisha besides Rose, was kind of like that last girl that she needed to take out in order to sweep the division. So I think that that's one that makes sense. And the move to strawweight, here's the problem with that, is that we're still waiting on what happens between Nico Montano and Valentina Shevchenko. They have yet to schedule it. We have yet to get a real inclination that it is close to being made. So I'll be honest. I think if you're Joanna, you can walk in and get an immediate title shot at 125. Whether that's Nico or Valentina, I think that you have earned the right, after all the work you put in, to walk right in there and get that title shot. Now, she can move up and take on someone like Jennifer Maya, Andrea Lee. I don't think she needs to, but if she's just not feeling it at 115, that's a move. I just think business-wise, if you're going to get an immediate title shot, why 
you know, why risk it against someone you don't need to yet? Just take the shot now, take the attention and the money that comes with it rather than risk it just for the sake of staying active. I think that's my thoughts on it. Yeah, I think that's a smart fight for her to make. It's like you said, Tisha Torres, just watch. She can wait and see what happens with the division or at least wait with, you know, um, Nico and Valentina, which have they announced when they're fighting yet? No, and that's what's a little, um, I don't know, it's one of those things. It's, I, I don't think it's going to be like Jermaine Duran to me, Chris Cyborg, but I, I think that something's up with Nico Montano. I, I want to say injury. I'm not saying like, you know, cowardice. Let me make it clear. But I think that there's there's a reason why it hasn't been made, even though that's the one we're all waiting for. Um, let me ask you, though, next for Rose Namajunas. I mean, is there anyone else that she can take besides Jessica Andrade to defend her title against someone besides Joanna? Um, I mean, that's definitely the one that she brought up or someone brought up and, you know, she said, yes, that name's floating around. I think that a Claudia Gadelia all of a sudden is inspired to, um, you know, try and come back and get in there. And then, you know, if Carolina did pull off that win, too, she has a storyline built right there, too. She has a win over the champ. So there's a few fights that, you know, could be made. But I think I'm thinking maybe a Carolina or Jessica. I think that Jessica first. Here's the thing. So many of those girls have a good storyline because Jessica just arguably she's she's like that third gangster in the division. You got Rose, you got Joanna. Jessica could really just take anyone's lunch money in that division any day she wants. She's that good. If you're Claudia, I mean, people were kind of saying, could you be the champion if Joanna wasn't there? She kind of has a chance to do it. She's fighting Carla Esparza. Carla obviously defeated Rose for the inaugural title. She just beat Cynthia Calvillo. You got to think Carla is hoping to leverage a Claudia win for her own title shot. And Carolina... Got that win over Rose also two years ago. So she's not without options, but I think that Jessica just stands out too strongly. It's kind of like it would just be disrespectful not to get her in there when she's already coming off a win. The other girls still have a bit of work to do. So I think that Jessica gets the first one, but she's not going to be without options come the end of the year, I think. But yeah, that's when I'd like to see her. Um, What do you think? Late summer or more like a fall return for Rose? Uh, I'm thinking late summer. Yeah, I, I feel like, I mean, the leg, she did eat a lot of leg kicks, though. Let's be honest. Um, if she says she wants a break, I wouldn't be surprised. But I'm seeing about a late summer. Um, I, she might be able to headline her own card right now. I think it's just about who you stack under her. But she... I. She's going to be up there on a pay-per-view, just plain and simple. Just She's too popular not to, I think, by now. So I want to talk to you about this one. This one I wasn't planning on us breaking down, but it was just so much fun not to. Zabit Magomed Sherpov taking on Kyle Bokniak. Kayla, why don't you tell me, why are so many people excited about Zabit's game? Because he is, you know, a perfect example of someone that is a well-rounded mixed martial artist. He, you know, you have a lot of people that just 
are more dominant in one area. Um, and I think that he's an example of maybe he started at those in those MMA gyms where you are learning all of them and, you know, just really building your skills. And I think that, I don't know, after his debut, I think he was already getting a lot of attention because much like the commentary was saying, he's just so slick, um, you know, with his technique and, and, and movement in there. Um, and that's exciting to watch. And, and it's exciting because he's also a very tall guy for his division. We have, you know, champion in Max Holloway and other, you know, skilled guys in there that like, you you want these up and coming names to come into the division and and get you excited about watching them grow within the division, much like a Brian Ortega did. Yeah, to me, it's about just he makes these high degree of difficulty moves look so easy. Just um, the third round, the one that stood out to me, that one where he goes for the spinning sidekick. Kyle's coming forward and Zabit mid-spin makes the adjustment and still connects right on the chin. It's like, how does somebody even do that? Or landing with just like a cat when he throws the switch kick. I was just like, I mean, look, we've seen him throw some good stuff. But on Saturday night, even I was just like, damn, he's he's on it even by his standards. I think that's what was so impressive. Um, talk to me about Kyle real quick, because that guy, I mean, put it this way. I always say that in terms of who's the most savage fighter in MMA, it's hard to pick against Robbie Lawler, but put his hat in the ring. What did you think about Kyle's approach? Yeah, I think that, you know, he and his team just seem, um, very eccentric and, and, and just like a couple of brawlers, man. So I think that, um. Yeah, his style of just like just like everyone's saying, his there's that heart there and that mental strength. And, you know, he did show some skill too with his stand up game and his striking that um again, you want you want to get excited about these up and coming guys that you see skill or talent or heart there and obviously you know they're just gonna grow within each fight. But for someone who was handling the third round of jumping off his stool and screaming and pushing forward after, you know, he probably had a good idea that he had lost the first two rounds. Um, yeah, it was just very entertaining. And I, I always love when the fights are down to the last 30 seconds and both guys kind of look at each other like, hey, man, you want to go and just brawl it out so we can get that extra 50 Gs? Okay. And they start just like, you know, flaring on each other. Um, oh, that was so good, wasn't <laughs> it? That was so much fun. Yeah, and he's definitely one of those guys. So, um, and he's very likable on Twitter. I've seen some of his tweets being repeated. I think Forrest Griffin gave him a, uh, you know, thumbs up, and he said that he'll take that over a win any day to have, you know, love from Forrest Griffin. So he's very likable, and and you can see talent and heart there. So I'm excited to see him grow from this fight. Yeah, I mean, um, here's the thing, like, they always talk about it. it's easy to say go for broke when you're not the one actually in the cage taking these shots. But I like the fact that it's like, man, I'm already in here, just go for it. And I appreciate that so much. The sport would be even more exciting if every guy and girl took that approach. But he actually put his money where his mouth was. Did he have the goods to take out Zabit? Absolutely not. I think Zabit had... Put it this way, you know how they say he knows every trick in the book? 
Zabit might be one of the few people who actually owns that book. That's what he makes it look like. So I think Kyle, great approach. I think he just was a little mismatched in terms of the skills, but great. I mean, look, if you're already in there, go for it anyway. It made for a very good fight. I'm excited to see both guys again. Um, let me ask you, what do you think about calling out Yair Rodriguez? Yeah, I think that'd be a fun fight. I think that, um, you know, most people are saying that they are already expecting him to face a top 10 guy. Um, where does he fall in the rankings currently? I want to say he barely. Yeah, he's I don't number think 10. He rank yet. Yeah, now he's 10. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're Rodriguez is number 10. But yeah, I think that that's what they're saying is Zabit, you know, with his three fights under his belt, like they're assuming that he'll probably get a top, top 10 guy. So yeah, I think that's a great, um, a great like stylistic matchup, of course, to test his striking and test all of his skills. But also, they're both these younger guys that everyone's talking up. I think that'd be great. Can I tell you some bad news? What? Oh, you, wait, you're sitting down, right? Yes. Okay, just double checking. I don't think Yair Rodriguez wants anything to do with that man, if I'm being <laughs> honest. Yes, uh, standing up, yes, it would be so much fun. Put down, stop what you're doing, get the popcorn if it's a stand-up fight. I don't think Gary Rodriguez wants that fight because I think Zabit handles him on the ground. And yes, if it's about just like, hey, can I beat this guy on the feet? Absolutely, that's fun. But I think that Yair kind of learned that there's levels to this, and I think that one of the reasons... He's kind of said it. He's working on his game right now. That's one of the reasons why he hasn't come back since last year now. Well, and let's see I that work it, be... Um, let's see what you've been working on then. I mean, here's the thing, though. you got to fight someone who's, you know, relatively skilled on the ground. You don't go in there with a guy who is, like, doing some phantom takedown sweep that even Joe Rogan was saying he doesn't know what that move was. I think that's... That's the thing that makes me think that Yair might not want anything to do with it. Um, look, though, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I agree with you. Kind of just like the fight we're going to talk about now. I didn't think that Carolina had the goods against Felice. But if Yair's really been working on it, I think how could you not want to have that fight? I think it's so much fun at this stage of their careers. So, But that's my two cents on it. I'm ready to see Zabit against some tougher competition and... Yeah, he is on the fast track to stardom. I think that's pretty clear to see. Talking about now, the main event on the preliminary card, Karolina Kovalkiewicz against Felice Herrig. Kayla, I, I was telling you all week, Felice Herrig's grappling. Man, I did not know Karolina was that freaking good on the ground. I was so impressed. What did you think of the fight? Yeah, I'm actually trying to remember this fight um which sounds terrible but sorry there was just a lot I've been watching Bellator and Bellator kickboxing too um I, do I mean remember, it's okay I, I do oh, remember ahead. it being one of the more exciting Felice Herrig fights I do remember her being um a little bit more aggressive and pushing forward but yeah I think I just remember thinking like but Carolina is still you know, on another level with her striking. Um, let me see. Let me read up on it to be refreshed. Or you tell me, G. Okay, so there I was, right? No. Um, to me, the thing about Carolina just 
when she started going in the first round for the Eminari role, and then she oh yeah, <laughs> she ends up on her back, uses the triangle, and reverses into mount. It's like what? She's like you know Damien Maya brought back as a you know little Polish girl. It was so impressive how easy she made it look. That one really shocked me. I was watching it and I was. I was like jaw on the floor when I saw her do that move because I thought that was just not in her wheelhouse. I thought that was out of her capabilities. She went for that. And then on the feet, Felice Herrick was really struggling with her accuracy and to find her rhythm. I think that's just a testament to what we already knew about Carolina as a striker. But it was the ability to do that to Felice that really made her hesitant. On the feet, she was just outworking her. And I think that's just how she got the job done. The split decision, in my opinion, came from the fact that even though Carolina looked good, Felice was really the aggressor for a lot of the first round. So I think that's why the one judge gave her that one. So I think that's how the split decision happened. But I actually had it three zip for Carolina when I was scoring it. Yeah, now that's coming back to me. The Imanari role was so, <laughs> that put a smile on my face for sure. And, you know, that's the stuff that she needs to show because if, if Thug Rose is the current champ, you got to, you know, put in your on the same card where you know she's probably watching or at least going to hear about it later. You got to show that you're evolving in your game too and that you, you know, to go after that um, attempt for a title shot. But yeah, this is what I'm saying, Jeez. It's just hard for me to get behind Felice Herrig because I just feel like she's still, I don't know if it's a mental thing or what, but I just feel like she doesn't push herself enough, you know, for this competition of ladies. I just think that you have to be, I don't know, not, I don't want to say more aggressive because she definitely was in there, but like she just has to up her game because even if she had won this fight, it's like, yes, you're on a four fight win streak or you were, but they're all going to decision and you're just in a, a stacked division of, of killers. I think to me, um, I'll be honest. I think that she just underestimated Carolina, like a lot of people did in her defense. But um, now I'm with you. I think that, uh, look, it is very tough. There's so many women and personalities. And let's be honest, a lot of popularity in that division that, it is very tough to stand out even when you are winning. I think that's why Felice has really struggled with it and getting maybe those matchups. Um, it wasn't her best showing, definitely. I think that she has a lot she can learn from in this one. I don't think she's, like, ruled out by any means. I think that, you know, look, she clearly put a lot together in the last year and a half. I think that if you're Felice Herrig, you really just got to take this one look at what you were doing, what do you feel really shocked you, and just take that and apply it to the next one because two, three wins more, you're talking about her re relatively in the same position again, probably getting back in there. That's not out of her realm of capabilities, in my opinion. So it's just about take whatever you need to learn from in this fight, just whether it was the transitions, whether it was just being able to deal with someone who could do multiple things, and I think then she could build on that from there. For Carolina, um, uh, yes or no? Does she get a title? Sh does she get the next title shot at Rose Namajunas? Plain and simple. No, I like you think that Jessica draws. If we're gonna stick to rankings and what she's been pulling off, I think it's her turn for the title shot. 
And then I think, you know, um, the winner of that, maybe Carolina can push for, for something if Carla doesn't or Claudia, but um, yeah, let me think of who. Yeah. Cause I, I was just going to queue it up then because I agree with you. I think that Carolina just needs one or two more before she asks for the belt. But um, who then would Carolina get in there with next is the problem. Um, let's see. Um, if I mean, maybe if Claudia can get a win. Oh, no, wait, Claudia beat her. That's right. Um, yeah, pretty handily, too. Yeah, hey, that's a testament. All the women, hey, put it this way they don't have the issue they have at 155. All the top women have almost already fought each other. That's what's so impressive. Maybe about. she fights a Tisha Torres. I like that one too. I think that um Tisha or if Carla beats Claudia, I could see that one happening just because I think that the Jessica fight between Rose is going to happen. So I agree with you. Either Tisha or Carla and one of those outliers maybe gets Joanna, but um I think it's going to be either of those two and Joanna and Carolina split them. It's just going to be about who gets what determine, you know, depending on the calendar, I think it's how it's going to happen. I would say this. I would figure I would favor the Carla fight more just because I feel like Joanna is more likely to get paired up with Tisha since they're both coming off a loss. I think is my thinking. Who knows these days? Well, I was hoping you did. That's why we do our podcast together. Well, <laughs> I would love if things went by the rankings and what's fair, but we'll see. <laughs> Connor and Floyd might be the next fight. Oh, don't do that to me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, look, Saturday, look, I, I think, um, I guess, final thoughts on just the weekend for UFC in general, just on that promotion, because by the time it was all over, I think there was a sense of relief just after everything that happened. What are your thoughts on it all, just as a whole? Um, I think that the people that stayed on the card and stayed professional were the ones that really, you know, turned the week around. Um, I think that Al stepping up the fighters that were, you know, affected and moved up within the card. I think just for some reason, everyone seemed to go in there and for the most part, bring their a game. And maybe it was just a matter of that. They knew, you know, that this card had so much drama or maybe they were upset about it. And that's what brought in this extra aggression. But I think that overall they were the ones that kind of saved the card there and the fans too. The fans in Brooklyn seemed to stay super loyal. Um, so yeah, it was, I mean, it gave us a lot to talk about. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, to me, when I was done with it, I was like, you know, those men and women, when you think about Carolina bringing it, Zabit bringing it, Rose and Joanna bringing it, Habib and Al bringing it. That was a great night of fights. You know, it just, we took more twists and turns than usual to get to one of those. And I think that's why there was that sense of relief. Um, like you, I was so impressed. Um, I couldn't help because it was kind of that elephant in the room, just with the Connor thing that you think about Ray Borg and Brandon Marino probably wanted to add to the fun. Michael Chiesa really wanted to, I mean, think about that. You were going to have, Aya Quinta and Paul Felder, that one would have been a great fight. Kiesa Pettis. So I think that, um, you know, it was a little bittersweet knowing that they 
were robbed of that chance when you look at it as a whole. But the fighters who stayed gave the fans their money's worth. I think it goes down as a very successful night in MMA. And yeah, like you said, we had a lot to talk about. And it also puts, you know, the UFC kind of in a weird place because I think a lot of people are wondering, you know, how much of a circus, quote unquote circus, is this turning into, um, you know, especially with Connor and with the Floyd rumors and the way that people are just assuming that, you know, everyone seems so disgusted this week, but after the dust settles, is he still going to be this, you know, number one star and, and the one they're catering to. So it also makes me a little bit nervous because, you know, we're really going to see which direction this company is going into and how they're going to, which fighters are going to support after this week's antics. I agree with you. I mean, um, if I'm being honest, I think that there's going to be a very big public backlash if they, um, if they move forward with Connor without first some serious discipline or intervention. Um, I get it. He brings in millions of dollars. It is very hard to, you know, not, you know, utilize an asset like that. I get that if you're a business at the end of the day, but I think at a certain point you have to stand by what's right. And look, a lot of people want to see Connor, but you got to think about the UFC brand as a whole. You can't put him on every card how much faith is there going to be on the non-Connor cards if the promotion still supports him wholeheartedly? I think that's where you really are going to see that slippery slope, and it's going to be decided by what they do and how they handle it moving forward. But um, yeah, to say that he's the only one, that would be a knock against everybody we just saw throw down. So I think the UFC is going to... They have some stuff to figure out, but it will get figured out. I think it's reached a point where it just has to finally be. You know what I mean? So those are my thoughts on it. It was a great night. I enjoyed it. And next week is another nice one. I We're going to, you know, give our preliminary thoughts on that before we sign off. But Kayla, you brought it up. There was a really, really good card in Bellator over the weekend, too. Um, we don't have enough time to go over everything, but that main event, Benson Henderson against Roger Huerta, one month notice, both men backs against the wall. What did you think of the fight? Yeah, I think it was really nice to finally see the Benson Henderson we were expecting for Bellator. He came in there just going for that finish. I mean, there I've wanted to rewatch it just to count the several attempts of, of ways of fin- uh, that he was trying to finish that fight in the first round. Um, I just think we saw a dominant fighter that was fighting, you know, for his career and, and really wanted that win. And, um, you know, and going against someone that usually is the one that puts on more pressure and is the more aggressive fighter in there. So, um, you know, yes, I would have liked to see more of where Roger Huerta's at, but I just think Benson Henderson wasn't going to allow that. And it was nice to just get a performance out of him like we've been wanting to see in, in Bellator. Uh, wholeheartedly agree. To me, um, the real hook was it was that Benson Henderson and Roger Huerta both at 100%. Benson Henderson has his number every day of the week. It's the fact that their current run of success made you very hesitant to say that we would see that Benson. He really did prove that, you know, I think the time away has helped him. 
I think that it said a lot about his mental state and how much hunger and motivation he has to keep going in the sport. I think all of that lended itself to his performance. Roger Huerta took some big hits, and credit to him, he did survive some really big damage, but he also just didn't have an answer for the comprehensive game. Benson was hitting him with the la- sorry, the head kicks, getting him on the ground, beating him up there. Um, I can't remember if it was the knee or the elbow, but really busted up Roger Huerta. And then in the second round, Benson knew that it was a wrap against the fence, has that guillotine. Roger immediately taps. I think that's just a testament to, one, the submission, but two, the accumulation of damage in that five minutes. Benson really just was on it. And it was good to see him get back on track um, for Roger Huerta. Look, he's a tough guy. Um, If he says that's the end of the road, it's very unfortunate because I remember before I ever did a video, ever did a blog, ever did a column, remember thinking Roger Huerta was one of the baddest guys in the sport. So if this is it, I really just want to say that he is a tough guy who always brought it. But yeah, Benson Henderson just really had his number that night. This is true. I think we'll see Roger Huerta back, though. And I just think it was Benson Henderson's night. It needed to be. No, it was just, it was a lot. Um, And even, like, we're not going to break them all down, but um, Adam Borix with the flying knee KO. That was oh, nice. yeah, that was great. There was a lot of fun stuff going on. Um, uh, I did not see the results, so I'm hoping you'll educate me. Did Jarena Bars pull off the victory in the kickboxing? Um through all of it so uh, I will tell you I'll text you sorry guys you, if anyone who's listening you'll have to watch it on your own or look up the results but I'll text you once I finish Bellator kickboxing because I haven't gotten through everything gotcha gotcha well we'll certainly talk about that um Kayla you know what's even crazier about the whole weekend you also had Ronda Rousey make her Wrestlemania debut um did you see any highlights? Have you done some reading about it? Because it seemed like the MMA world just... It was kind of like the UFC after party watching Ronda at WrestleMania. That's one thing I noticed when I was <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah, I definitely saw some highlights. Um, everyone seems very supportive and was very entertained with her. I believe she pulled off the win via armbar. Yep. Of course. Um, it was cute to see Dana White in the audience with his rowdy shirt um i i watched the clip i i i I got bit by that bug i was like man everybody's talking about it i gotta see um you know (laughs) what um i'll be honest and this is probably the reason why i'm always so harsh on cm punk and um maybe sometimes undeservedly so it sometimes got so silly pro wrestling the over dramatic over dramatizing of some things but um you know what it was just some good family fun i get why people love it so much and to see ronda in that world see her so happy she had a really great performance there was a lot of high flying back and forth she made it look good the wrestlers kurt angle triple h they really did help lend to her having a great showing for herself and um it was good fun. She did pull off. I had to Google it, that move where, like, you jump up and, like, you use your legs to roll over the your opponent. And she did that to big Triple H, the wrestler. And I was like, damn, Rhonda, like, 
You know, if you had done that to Amanda Nunes, you wouldn't have even been thinking about WWE. She made it look so good. So um, the thing that I took away from it is I saw her piece with Ramona Shelburne. She talked about, she said, I'm glad I lost to Holly and Amanda because I got to enjoy this because of it. And she really did look so happy. It was just someone who we've become familiar with just living their best life and in that way, it was like, you know what? That was nice to see. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, good for her. Hopefully, you know, she's moving on to this new chapter. And like you said, now WWE has her as a star and we have other exciting females to put on and provide, um, you know, fights for us. So, yeah. Oh, and she did you see she shouted out both Joanna and Rose after their fight? Yeah, I thought that was really nice. I think, you know what? I think that's kind of all we want to know. It's like, Rhonda, like, do you honestly just hate us all over here? And I think that's just a sign that it's a lot of misunderstanding in the middle of everything that's been <laughs> written and everything that's been said. You know what I mean? So um, Hate us. I hope not. <laughs> I mean, it's like, just come to a UFC. You don't even have to sit in the front row. You know, people, everyone and their mom will buy you a beer. Just... We still want you to be part of the party, Rhonda. That's all we're saying at the end of the day. She is. She is. Yeah, but you know what? Um, The train keeps on rolling. Kayla, I'm going to just tell you something right now. This might be an even busier week for me than when we worked Bellator in Los Angeles. There is so much going on. We have Combate Americas on Friday. We have Bellator on Friday. And then we have UFC on Fox, which we're going to touch on right now. Dustin Poirier versus one of our favorites, Justin Gaethje. I mean, on a scale of 1 to 100, how excited are you for that fight? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely excited for both guys. I don't know if it was the fight that I think should have been made. But now that we're here, all I see is fireworks. What do you think? I mean, I just, uh, I wonder if Justin Gaethje is just going to be in a fight of the year every year until he retires. <laughs> I mean, the UFC feels like ready, like if he's going to do it, why don't you want to just keep feeding that monster? Um, I, I, I mean, it's kind of like guaranteed fireworks. I mean, you're more likely to be struck by lightning than that fight be boring, I feel like, so... I'm ready for it. I'm excited. I'm glad that Carlos Condit is staying on the card against um, the other welterweight, Cowboy Oliveira from Brazil. I think that's going to be a fun fight also. Um, So, yeah, it's a lot of good stuff. I think it's going to be a very fun fight week. There's going to be so much content. Guys, be on the lookout for it. I have interviews coming with Bellator contender AJ McKee. I just finished one with... Kimbo Slice, or sorry, Kevin Ferguson Jr., a.k.a. Baby Slice. And live now, I also spoke with six-time five-division boxing champion Amanda Serrano, making her MMA debut on Friday. That is live on MMAcage.net, so be sure to check it out. Kayla, it's good to be back on the air. I'm sure we'll talk soon about everything you'll see. Glendale coming up. Where can the fans find you until then? Fans can find me at fangirl underscore MMA. Where can they check out your stuff, G? You can find me all the time at double G on TV. Just spell out the word double. Kayla, have a great rest of your evening. And fans, thank you for tuning in. We'll be back next time.